so we're started. Blessings to you and uh, all uh, those that are tuning in tonight. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And uh, um, our sister, Lynn, if you could say again her daughter's name. Erin Hendry uh, continues to need more healing. She's going to a doctor of ontology. And, of course, they make the list of what they're capable of healing. And that's carcinomas, sar sarcomas, and lymphomas, and then every varying variant in that cancerous region. She's needing continued healing. And that's why they have the list. They don't go to the healing doctor to get cancer. The list shows them what the doctor's treatment and practice can heal them of. And I say that as a little precursor tonight of how we establish the law by faith and we recognize how holy, just, and good it is. We also want to pray for Brenda Watkins who had her carotid artery uh, cleared out uh, in, her, in, her, in her neck and that will prohibit her uh, from having strokes later on that could go up to her mind and, and really affect. And then there's a Brother Lawrence, I believe it's Adele Lawrence, out at the Refuge Church who, who's very good friends with Roy Wood and Amanda Wood who helped uh, him start a church and then Brother Dale helped Roy start his church. His mother went and had some, his wife, not his mother. We're going to slow down now and I'm going to try to slow down the, the, the flow of information. It's, it's overrunning my mouth again. So anyway, his wife went to the dentist and had a procedure done and that very unfortunately uh, caused an aneurysm somehow and at the age, uh, early age of early 40s she passed away and of course he has two children so he definitely needs our prayers. Also, we want to continue to pray for the wonderful viewing of uh, A.J. Moses who preached this past Sunday and taught us about St. Fotini, that's right, the woman at the well, Saint Fotini, daughter of light, one of the first evangelical apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, what a wonderful message it was as he gained, as we gained the information of his studies. I learned things that I had never known before. I was educated and I was benefited by the young minister in the message that he preached. So I'm favored uh, to have in relationship that we're willing to submit to one another. And this Sunday <clears throat> just shows, again, uh, the beauty of the benefit that can be had when brethren dwell together in unity and we don't demand... Uh, someone to be our identical twin, we dwell together in unity by diversity. <clears throat> and everyone gets to bring the uniqueness of their personality and their study and their gifts and their talents. And then we draw from a pool, a wealth, that pulls itself here at New Testament. So I think it was glorious. If you're going to take my advice, I would advise you 
to go back and listen to this past Sunday's sermon. That was fantastic. Now, we just finished up boosting one, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to boost that one because it's, it's a keeper. It's definitely a keeper. It's a good one. That's a fish. Now, we throw most of them back when they're small and they're undeveloped and they're, they're, you know, they need to grow up. You're really fishing. You wanted to catch his big brother or his mom or his dad or maybe every now and then his grandpa or grandma, uh, the really big fish. Now, we keep those. But the smaller fish we let go back. But this one's a keeper. We brought this one in the boat. This one's going in deposit. Uh, we take pictures of this one because, man, he landed a great truth for us. And, uh, of course, I feel happy tonight. I'm happy to see my friends. Uh, we have uh, smiles on our face. And we're going to remember Minister Ricky Odom, uh, the called of God, uh, Minister Jonathan Wood, and Minister Josh and Samantha Wood and their four children. Uh, so we bless them. And I can't, ever, I can't ever get this name of their town. They live somewhere down in Alabama. I want to call it Burger, Alabama, or, or Burger, Alabama, or something like that. I don't know. Sounds like they're caught in between a Big Mac to me, but I don't know. I can't really say. But uh, anyway, for all those that are coming, for the young ministers who are operating here, and the grace and salvation that we have uh, towards them. We cover them with charity and love. God is developing them. God is maturing them, and they're growing in grace. So uh, we remember uh, Heather Valcourt's daughter again. And get, speak her name one more time again. Erin Hendry, uh, specifics. We're going to... We're going to put a target on. There's a bullseye on this prayers of on this prayer of faith and healing, and the bullseye is the body, the temple, the tabernacle, the strength, the life of Aaron Hendry. So, Father, it is in the divine name of Jesus that I pray for and lift up Aaron Hendry. We know at the time that you were cross-examined by Pontius Pilate. When he found no fault in him, he nevertheless scourged Jesus to pacify the Sanhedrin court and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he was striped for the healing of our bodies. We ask that Aaron Hendren receive a touch of the Almighty. God, let a miracle occur within her body. Let a miracle of healing and grace come to her and touch her as we encourage the family of brother and sister Valcourt, their daughter, and that you would let her live and take away from this false death trying to siege and take hold. Lord, we cast the stronghold out in Jesus' name, and we apply the loving promise, which is the daily benefit. Let her be a partaker of the divine nature through your healing, in Jesus' name, I pray. With your stripes we were healed, and by your stripes we are healed. As much as you've been faithful to me to let me live, God let her also live and declare the divine works of an almighty physician. We believe his name to be Jesus. And Lord, for these other spoken requests, Brenda Watkins, for all these ministers Help them to find a father figure, a father in the faith 
that will love them, support them, and help develop them, governor and tutor, until the time appointed of the Father. Because they're already Lord of all. Help us to uncover all the grace that you've already bestowed in them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to... Where Sister, Sister White, Sister Angel is there in the back illuminating the cosmos. Brother uh, Alex White is with us as well. He's a son of light. And then there's Bobby D. Wilson and there is an envelope up here that's got your name on it, sir. Um, so I think we have to return to you. I had a check from Bobby. He saw me right before I went into the hospital with my little heart problem. And it was stuck in my, in my truck. And we found this, he's trying to give to the church, and of course I wouldn't take it. Uh, but he was trying to give to the church, and I never got it turned in, it's two years old. And he said, oh, that's why my checks aren't bouncing. I said, yeah, because you've got a $300, uh, sorry, more than that. Uh, you've got a bumper pad. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have said the amount. I didn't mean to say the amount. Uh, but there's a bumper pad, a cushion. How many keeps a cushion in your checking account? I, you know, Holy Ghost, I need all the help I can get. Uh, I, I'm not like Joel who balances his checkbook each and every month, down to the letter, down to the T. I, 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 I more, I kind of roll, this is how I roll. I kind of roll with a, a little bit, I mean, I have a mind of what's in there. But I, I, you know, I my principle is if I keep putting more in than I spend out, and I learned that back when I was uh, out of my home at 17 that I had to keep more money in the top drawer. That's, that was my bank at the time. Don't laugh at me. But if I kept more money in the top drawer than I spent, I could make it to the next week. And that's pretty simple. I know. God help. Uh, but that's how I did it. And I kind of still run that way. But anyway, we love you. I pray tonight that you feel loved and you feel educated, and we're going to deal with what is quite a conundrum, really a problem for most people. How do we, under the grace of God, deal with the law? And it's going to be quite interesting that Jesus deals with the origination of evil, man's heart, and then, after that list of sin, there are four other lists of what sin is, three given by Paul and one given by John, after he takes over the seven churches started by Paul. So I want to say that very clearly. Jesus will give a list of evils, but he's teaching about where evil originates. Man's heart. The deceitful and desperately wicked heart that doesn't have Christ in there. So that is the source. I know you don't like to deal with that, but that's the source of all evil. You'd like to rather blame someone else or uh, be Flip Wilson and say the devil made me do it, but it was inside of you is why you did it. We'll deal with that in a minute. And then the man who was under the teaching of the law gives us three specific lists and he puts the law in its proper place in newness of the Spirit 
and not the oldness of the letter of condemnation and death. When we talk about these lists, we, the physicians of the great physician, are just telling you all that Jesus can heal you of, deliver you of, and make you a new creature where the deadly effects, affects, of those sins will, won't have its effect upon you anymore. So these lists are given to us to show us what we can be delivered from. We don't go to a doctor in oncology who deals with cancer to catch cancer or to get cancer. So when we look on the marquee, we see the three headings as he's a doctor who deals with the healing practice in the medicines of uh, carcinomas, sarcomas, and lymphomas. Now, you don't go to him to get sick. You go to him to get well. And we come to church to get well from our sins, to be made whole, to be washed, to be cleansed, to become new creatures. So our former lifestyle that was lived in the lust of our flesh will not be followed anymore, producing the wages of sin, and we've been delivered from death because the gift of God is eternal life. Now, if you've turned to 1 Timothy, we see Paul's idea to young Timotheus, <laughs> the son of Eunice and Lois. Apparently, he'd had good mothers, a good grandmother, that really taught him in the way of the Lord, a lot like Sister Clara praying over him and anointing him fresh with oil uh, in the grace of God. And he becomes the installed pastor at the church at Ephesus, the young pastor. Paul puts him there and he tells him in verse 5, as verse three, let's go up to verse 3. You know me, I like so much of it. I have a lot to say. As I besought you, Timothy, to abide still at Ephesus. He will become their pastor at length. Very well, much so, the pastor that John oversees in Revelation 2. He's that angel, the messenger of God, who's there at Ephesus, and he's been installed by the apostle Paul. Just want to put some dots together for you. That's who we're talking about. We're in the neighborhood of God. Hallelujah. And I besought thee, Timothy, to abide still at Ephesus when I went out to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Get away from this Jewishness of giving heed to fables and endless genealogies that you got to know your mom, mom, and your mom's mom, and your dad's dad and your dad's dad and were you a part of the tribe of this or the part of the tribe of that because race is a human construct that they use to divide us. Next time you're filling out an application and they ask you your race, write in check other and write in human because they're asking you a division by the color and the uh, uh, the, the, the melatonin that's given to your skin, they want you to divide yourself by the color of your skin. And we're all the human race. 
You never will get a transfusion uh, from, the blue, from the Red Cross that will tell you the color of the person that gave, your, that gave their blood. Never tells you if it was a, a red person, a white person, a yellow person, a green person, alien, uh, a black person, uh, a dark tan person. It never will tell you the color of the person of their skin. All you'll need to know that it's your type. So when they realize that I'm just 30 weight, uh, it could come from Quaker State, it could come from Pennzoil, it could come from Valvoline. All I need is 30 weight oil and I'll run fine. That's all I need. 10W30 or something like that. Any of the direct carriers, and there's only, I believe, four types. Diane knows all about this. She walks in the blood type all the time. And uh, she has the blood type that will work in anybody. Apparently hers is universal blood. It can go into a Ford or a Chevrolet or a Dodge, and it will work just fine. It's really amazing uh, the way this stuff works. But he's made of all men dwelling on the face of the earth, one nation and one blood, which means the blood from someone on the southern part of the tip of the continent of Africa, if it's my type. And remember, I'm just as normal and as general as 30-weight uh, motor oil. I, you know, they, they put my type of oil in lawnmowers and uh, Briggs and & Stratton's and Kohler's. I'm just as normal and as common as the day is long. But that's all it takes. And you can pick out one of these uh, castor oil. You can say, well, my brand's better than yours. It's still 30 weight. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it came, it doesn't matter the can that it came out of. It doesn't matter if it was Pennzoil or Quaker State, even though I prefer Valvoline. Uh, nevertheless, I digress. As long as it's 30 weight, it'll work. So get off the color stuff. Let's get back into the humanity of our race, that we're human beings made to dwell together on all the face of the earth. And the blood out of your can, out of your skin, will work in me long as it's the right uh, weight of oil. And I do believe in race. I believe in drag racing. I believe in uh, 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 NASCAR racing. I believe in downhill racing. I believe in motocross racing. I believe even in street racing sometimes. Uh, I believe in all the races. I believe in the Indianapolis 500 and the Charlotte uh, Motor Speedway. I believe in the Daytona 500. I believe in the race over at Le Mans. I believe in all races. I enjoy them. So there you have it in Jesus' name. That's the, as funny as I'm going to get tonight. I hope, you, I hope you're okay. Because I feel the joy of the Lord. I feel righteousness, peace, and should I say it, joy. The joy of the Holy Ghost. And I know you may want me to prove that I have the Holy Ghost by speaking in tongues. And that may happen. But joy, peace, and righteousness are the real benefits of how we've been comforted. And I'm showing that I'm comforted. I feel comfort right now. I feel the big Holy Ghost arms of Jesus wrapping up all around me. Sister Williams is walking into the house. She's a minister of the Lord. She'll be preaching real soon. We're going uh, we're gonna, to we're gonna tack her feet down. I mean, offer her a date to minister again. And we're going to enjoy it. So in 1 Timothy, uh, rather, if there's anything you're going to give heed to, let us do godly edifying, 
Godly edifying, which is in the faith. That's verse 4. 5. Now, the result, the purpose of the commandment, what it was really sent to do is to give you charity out of a pure heart. So people say, I believe in the commandments. Well, then take a good dose of them and be loving. Act like you've drank the commandments down and the result of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience, all cleared up here. My conscience is clear because it's taught me the love of God and my salvation is based on the strength of His love, not the works of the commandments. The strength of His love because God loves me and I find out when I come into a line with what's holy, just, and good, which are identified by the promises of God, my life goes better. How many notice that? My life goes better when I do it God's way. Because uh, therefore, He is the method, He is the motive and the method, He is the way, He is the reality and the truth, and then He becomes my life, and His life, which is spirit, is a light, is a light, is a light, and oh, I felt like I just swallowed a boiled egg. Uh, is a light unto my path. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Isn't that wonderful? Um, in faith that's not fake, but a faith that is lived every day. And I have to admit to you as a spiritual person, I'm constantly in the discernment. My discernment is constantly on looking for something spiritual or something prayerful or something godly that I can minister to. That's how I walk in the Spirit. If I so much as get the hint of water, I'm going to track it down and I want to be a, a benefit to those that I love. I'm a, the prophet Joel is here tonight. He and his lovely wife, Beth, and we are favored uh, to have him here with us. And i gotta, I got to mind my P's and Q's. The son of Pethuel is in the congregation, so we've got to, uh, I've got to mind my manners, so to speak. So, now look at this. From which some having swerved, they were on the right track, but they swerved. They got off the road. All right, you've ever swerved to miss a skunk? You'll be glad you did, because your car's going to stink like you can't believe if you run over him. My Lord, if you bust his anal gland and he burst all underneath your car, woo! my God, you're going to stink the neighborhood up. So you swerve to miss those things. Now, they were, <laughs> they were right on track following the grace of God, but then they swerved. They got off into something else. And that's what happens when you swerve and you turn aside to get into this vain jangling, acting like you're Moses, the resurrected Moses, spouting out the law and serving people death and condemnation, deriding people because of what they are not, instead of showing the medicine and the remedy and the antidote that they can live. Jesus never hammered anybody with their sins he showed them the solution. When he did identify sin, he only identified its origins. And he didn't say it was the devil. He didn't say it was that old red dragon. 
He didn't say it was a serpent. He didn't say it was your <laughs> one of your in-laws or one of the outlaws who was part of your family. It wasn't them. It's your heart. Out of the heart are the issues of life. So keep your heart, Bobby. Keep it right. Keep it where it should be. Keep yourself. I wish God would keep me. Well, you do everything you can do to be kept in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. And then you can look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's something you have to do. Isaiah 52 said, I wish God would just shake me. No, he said, shake yourself. Get up and get with it, man. There's something inside of me that wants to believe. And I want to live the faith. I'm not doing these things to be saved, but I'm doing these things because I'm saved. So they swerve, desiring to be teachers of the law. Not me. I don't want to hear Moses no more, and I don't want the methods of Elijah. That's why they vanished on Mount Transfiguration. And Hebrews said that old covenant that they represented by motive and method has also vanished away. So can we for once and for all, for God's sake, say goodbye to Moses, to Elijah, and the law? Can we say adios amigo? That is not my motive. I don't want to condemn you. And death is not my method. But I can cure everything that the law has pointed out that man fails in. I become a doctor of grace. And I can cure every symptom, every sin, every transgression, every guile, every deceit that can be conjured up out of the evil heart of an unredeemed man or soul that I can heal it. I have the medicine. I am open for business, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, serving people death, bringing condemnation, nor whereof they affirm. And I do not affirm the law, but I do affirm the marvelous light of the grace of God. The all-sufficient grace that you always, having all sufficiency, can in all things abound... By the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. See what he's done? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Take a look. This is what the grace of God does to a person. Now, I don't mean to scare you away. I, I don't mean to shock you. But I am a work that is under grace. I hope I'm a graceful person. And I've understood in this part of my maturity that sometimes I just have to be defrauded. I have to be the one to made to look wrong so everyone else can feel better. So I accept it. I accept my calling. I, I need to be wrong to keep relations where they should be. Fine. I'll be defrauded. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6. And you can check me on that. Make my day. Write me a little something. Say, where does that say that? Where does it say we must be defrauded? Well, I'll show it to you because it is in the New Testament and it is in the Bible. And you should know by now I wouldn't bring it up if I didn't already know the answer. <laughs> I'm a good advocate. If any man sin, I want to represent you in your forgiveness. I'm going to represent you in your getting up. I want to cover you with the love that restores your life. Now watch this. Uh, they don't know whereof they affirm, and I do not affirm Moses or the law. 
But conjunction, those who read English, it's about to take a 180 degree turn. We know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Now you know they translated that word lawfully and it comes from the Greek word namios. Nami, N-O-M-I-M-O-C-E, namios. And it literally means a list. So if you're a doctor and you go into practice and they put your name up on the little, uh, you know, the closing boards when you go into these professional places, are you on floor one, floor two, floor three, and, and you're Dr. Kello, when they'd have a list of all the things that I could heal you of, all the things, it's a list to show what the grace of God is healing us all of. We don't go to the doctor to get sick. We went to Dr. Jesus to get better. And if you have, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, so God's never going to condemn me with the law, and God's never going to judge me with the law, because I have someone who's already went in my place and paid for all the sins of my life under the law. His name was Jesus, by the way. So that I wouldn't have to be married to Moses anymore. Thank God. And I could be married to another, even him who died and rose again from the dead, that we could bring forth fruit unto God. I'm not married to Moses, can you tell? Not as Moses. I don't want to hear what he has to say. I'm not going to go over that covenant. But I am going to go over a greater one than him. His name is Jesus. And he's got the words of eternal life. That the law is not made for a righteous man, thank God. But... For the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, and for the unholy and profane, for murderers of father, fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, you know, bestiality, stuff like that, it's very bad, uh, for men-stealers, for liars, for purged persons, purged if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which is committed to my trust. Interesting. This is a list of what the grace of God will heal you from. This is a list of how the good physician practices his graceful message to heal you and deliver you from what was wrong. Now, if you will, let's go to Romans 6. And let's understand from verse 4. Romans 7, I'm sorry. 6 is good too. Read that in your pastime. That's, that's, that's homework. But if you go into 7, verse 4. Verse 7, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, chapter 7, verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. I'm dead to the law because it's already been paid for. I'm free from my marriage to Moses and that covenant because the real husband man, the one who made Moses, came and died in my place so I wouldn't be married to someone who faced the death of the cross, but I could be married to the one who rose from the dead. And phys the physician 
did heal himself, and now it's the body's turn to heal itself. That ye should be married to another. See, God does allow remarriage. Praise God. I know it's a bit out of context, but I'm just trying to stir your stir you up by way of your pure mind. Married to another, even to Jesus, who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, without God, the motions of sin, which were by the law, are stirred up, are stimulated by the law, because as soon as you tell somebody without God that they shouldn't be doing that, or that's probably not a good idea, or that's dangerous, you've almost just programmed them to go do it and try it. That's what the doll does. Oh, tell me what I can't do, and then I'm going to go do it. I'm going to prove to you that I can do it and get away with it. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. So, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now, oh, I wish the whole church would say it with me, we are delivered from the law. It's not how I know God. It's not how I walk with God. It's not how I serve God. And it's not how I work myself out to be good enough or righteous enough to be accepted by God. He came to me when I was an enemy. He came to me when I was a chief among sinners. He came to me when I was ignorant and lost and undone. He was an entire surprise to yours truly. Because I wasn't raised in the home that prayed over food. We didn't pray over nothing. And unfortunately, when I came up, I thought God's last name was Damn, because that's the only time I ever heard God. Nevertheless, uh, uh, we won't spend any more time there. And that's one of the first things I stopped doing because I realized it wasn't his last name. So anyway, amen. I don't know how you grew up. That's how I grew up. That was kind of tough. Anyway, bring forth fruit unto God. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve, and this is the key, newness of spirit. Newness of spirit. A new birth has come in and has illuminated me, and God cut through my enmity, God cut through my transgression, God cut through my sin, and He made me His Son by new birth. I have been born again. It did take place, and it does. Jesus Christ does dwell in my heart by faith. He is with me, in me, on me, and through me. He is my past, my present, and He's also where I'm going, my future. Amen. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He is. Now when you talk about the devil, you'll find that the serpent that was, the dragon that is, and the devil that's in the future, he is not. He is not a part of my life anymore. Evil is not. It's an is not. It's an is not. It's very important. It is not in my life. Now, you know, in America... In the Bible, there is, is an, there, there, there's an is not, and that is the devil, evil, or, or Satan, or the old red dragon, or the serpent, whatever you want to call him. He's an is not in my life. He is not ruling my life. In America, they have astronauts. In Russia, they have cosmonauts. But in the Bible, we find Jesus, and, 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 and he's a juggernaut. He's the almighty knot, praise God. So again, we've got the juggernaut Jesus, but Satan is and is not. He is not in my life. I challenge you to say that. And sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law, 
but under grace. And, and evil is not who I am. It's not in my being. Okay, I could show you that in Revelation, but we move on. <laughs> I'll get hung up in that. And I've already been hung up in it probably more than I should. God bless you. Okay, so what shall we say then? Now that we serve in newness of spirit and not the oldness of the letter. There's some people, once you ever confess your sins to, to them for prayer, all they ever do is use that against you the rest of your life. And the Bible said that, that God and we should not remember your sins and iniquities against you. And God would be merciful to your unrighteousness. So if I find a brother overtaken in a fault, I restore him. If I find someone that's falling into sin, I cover them with charity, with fervent charity, with love. I don't remember their sins against them. No one can live that way, constantly having somebody punch down and punch you in the face and constantly point out where you're wrong. And I remember, I remember that person. Mully grubs. I remember, I went to school with him. And I asked somebody, I said, was that 30 years ago? Well, wasn't that, wasn't that uh, three years ago? Well, wasn't that three days ago? Well, wasn't that three minutes ago? Let go of it. Stop remembering their sins and iniquities against them. God doesn't even treat us that way. And if you find someone in a moment of unrighteousness, God forbid. Uh, be merciful. Show forgiveness for their offense. Cover them. Restore them. Show love. That's what newness of the Spirit is, not in the oldness of death and condemnation. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Everybody say, God forbid, knucklehead. The law showed us what Jesus heals us of. It gives us all the lists, the myriads of things that he can handle. And he can handle whatever you can dish out, my friend. Any other thing that may be contrary under the sound doctrine and teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, our God can handle it. You've never been so evil that God can't forgive you. He can handle it. If you have a complaint, He can handle it. If you've got to go have a hard talk, just don't stay that way. If you're complaining about something that's not going right, go to God and tell Him your complaint. Open your argument with him. And you might be like Job, and you might get a one-on-one -on -one visitation with the Most High. Wouldn't that be marvelous? And when God restored him, he added 120 years to his life, which that means that old fellow lived a long time. He'd already had 10 kids, and God gave him another 120 years, which he said back in Genesis 6 is a man's whole life. He gave him an entirely new life. Oh, amen. Yea, I had not known sin but by the law. I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. And there is the Apostle Paul's sin. He always thought he was better than others. He thought he was smarter and more competent than one who taught him Gamaliel. So he wasn't willing to leave the apostles alone as they were told to do by Gamaliel in the book of Acts. Because if these men be of God, you're going to be found fighting against God. Now the other men who came before them 
uh, Joseph and others, they also claimed to have a following of God. But they petered out and they turned into nothing. Now if this work and their teaching be of man, you don't have to do anything to it. It'll die on its own. But if this work be against God, you're going to be found fighting against God and that's not wise. That was not good enough for Paul. So we got affidavits and letters from the church where he could leave Jerusalem out of the umbrella covering of Gamaliel and he was on his road up to Damascus to bind and haul all these Christians who call on the name of Jesus into jail and he was there at the stoning of Stephen. Why? Well, he preached a great sermon. He preached a great sermon. There it is, Acts chapter 7. Great sermon. And on his way up the road, he gets knocked down and gets converted into the twelfth apostle. He is the twelfth. He is that wise lawyer who answered Jesus wisely, saying that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Jesus told him again, you're not far from the kingdom. The same rich young ruler... That again, that's his third visitation with Christ. That we're, we're counting backwards. We're counting backwards. So that's him on the road to Damascus. He gets converted. That's him as the wise lawyer who answered wisely. And that's also him, the rich young ruler that went to Jesus with his chest stuck out. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm good too. Just verify that I'm a good man like you are. And Jesus quotes the commandments, uh, number 5 through 9. And uh, when he does so, he said, All these things I've kept from my youth up. <sighs> what lack I yet? He said, Well, you do lack one thing. This is hindering you. Now, he walked away sorrowfully when he was told by Jesus to go sell all of his wealth and riches and possession, distribute to the poor, and to begin to follow Christ, take up a cross and follow him, and live the life of the ascetic. And the man walked away sorrowfully. But the gospel says that Jesus, when he went away, he looked on the man and he loved him. And God's love didn't fail. It took some more years of dealing with him. It took some more interchanges. And you didn't get saved the first time God plopped his love on you. You've been a hard head yourself. Jesus had to come to you more than once. Don't look at me funny, all you saints. You can go polish your halo in some other church. Down here, we live by grace. Praise God. Uh, I, I can fly every now and then, but i got to get the dirt cleaned off my wings on most days. Praise God. Because God's love didn't fail the man. So he saves him on the road to Damascus. And that's how he knew he was coveting. He had an evil desire he wanted the position, the privilege, and the power, and he thought he was better even than his teachers. Good preaching, Pastor Kevin. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, angels, which things they desire to look into from us who've preached with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Right there it is. Now watch it. We find if you'll jump on down to verse 12, and you can fill in the blanks. Make my day. Oh, he left some out. Well, good. Read the whole chapter. I hope I'm spurning you on to read the whole chapter. For wherefore the law is holy and the commandment is holy and it's just and good. So it's by faith that we establish the law, but we establish it as the Greek says, 
not lawfully as having dominion or power or authority over you, but it is good to know and it is holy to know and it is as good as a justifier to know that God will justify me from that. God will make me holy from these sins, which means to set me apart. And it is good to know that this great physician Jesus does heal you from that. So the rightful use is a list, a list of things that we no longer walk in and God has set us apart from it. I used to be a drunkard. I'm set apart of it. And you young generation, you can go out and social drink all you want to. I still don't believe in it. I still don't, you know, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in being filled with wine. I believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know I'm as old as a goat, but I believe that. I think you're better off without that garbage. And I hate that America says you can't have a cookout in your backyard, a birthday, an anniversary without alcoholic beverages. You can't have life without Jesus. That's the fact. And I've been, it's holy to know that he set me apart from that. Amen. Now it's just to know that I can be justified and my past don't follow me around just as if I never sinned. That's good to know. That's what it's for. As a list, that's good to know. And it's good to know that the medicine that Jesus provides called grace will heal you, will save you, will deliver you. And you can forget those things that are behind. Take another good dose of grace and receive the treasure of salvation in your vessel and then show people the evidence of the substance of the measure of faith he dealt to you when he gave you the grace of God package. Amen. Amen and amen. So it's just holy and good, and we establish it by faith, by newness of spirit, because I know it's working in me, because I feel it bubbling up in me. Can we say amen? Now, if you would, let's go to another place. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. And then we're going to back up into the fruit of the Spirit. I know you think I left it out, but I didn't. We're going to be going to Galatians 5 in a minute. Sister Williams loves this type of teaching. Because old Kello, he always gives you chapter and verse. We're going to stop off at the house. I'm not going to just talk to you about the what. I'm going to show you the where, the how. I'm going to give you the logistics. And hopefully I'm using the right when. I hope I'm saying it in the right moment. A word in season. Okay? While we are, again, watch it now, we're both, we're as, uh, uh, we're, we're a serpent and a dove, we're a lamb and a lion, we're a bear and a newborn baby calf, and you know that calf wouldn't have them, he wouldn't have a hope around a hungry bear. I mean, that newborn baby calf, he would eat that like filet mignon all day long. But now we're both, and we're a little child playing on the whole of a a pit full of vipers and we have no fear because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world because when you have fear you have torment and perfect love has cast out all the fears I tell you what I think of serpents now I tread upon them and scorpions I used to be scared to death of them but now I walk on them and that's my daily walk with God good preaching I know but isn't that wonderful isn't that wonderful to know watch this (laughs) 1 Corinthians 6 Now here we go. Dare any of you having a matter, 
and, and there it is, taking our brothers to the law uh, when we shouldn't. And he points out, and this is how you mature in Christ. Now therefore, there is utterly a fault among you. You should know how to judge angels. You should know how to judge each other. But instead of judging each other rightly and showing grace to each other, you drag your brother before the law. Now when you deal with the brother, Jesus did deal with this in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. When your adversary, when you're in the way with him, agree with him quickly and completely as fast as you can. But if you don't, He's going to go get a police officer that's not filled with the grace of God. He's going to hail you in front of a magistrate that's not full of the grace of God. And he's going to put you in front of a judge and he's going to throw you in jail and you won't come out until you have the uttermost farthing. But if you've got to be right all the time and you can't understand what it is to be defrauded and I'll be the wrong one so we can keep the relationship, you're not very wise. And let's see if that's what I say or the Bible. Read this now. You want to grow up and mature. Now there, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you. Because you go to the law one with another. Here you are, mature Christian. Why don't you not rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? If I have to be the bad guy to keep things moving and relationally healthy, so be it. I'll be defrauded. You can make it my fault. You can say I caused it. You can say that I have the bad behavior. Go ahead, knock yourself out. I understand, and I'll accept it. Okay? If we're going to make things right, then I'll accept it. As it says, you should be mature enough to know that being defrauded will not stop your sonship and will not stop the grace of God in your life. Forbearing one another, Colossians said, 3.13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, and if any have a quarrel against any brother or sister, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And put on above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. Amen. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And wherefore be ye thankful. Okay, I got it. I got it. I will help my elbow get better. If my elbow got scratched on the ground and it's got a big sore on it, I'll use my other hand instead of hating my elbow. Why'd you do that to us? You're so wrong. You dirty, rotten elbow. How dare you do that? No, I'll use my other arm to minister to the elbow that's hurting. We don't ever kill our own body. We, we, we take care of it. No man ever hated his own body, but nourisheth and cherisheth his own flesh. If you scrape the knee... You don't go home night. You old crazy knee. I knew I couldn't depend on you. How dare you get scraped up like that? I just think I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to hobble the rest of the days of my life. Instead of getting you better, I'm just going to judge you, you unworthy knee. And the knee sits there taking it, taking it. He says, well, okay, uh, I think the better thing to do is not cut me off. Maybe heal me and get me better. How many understands? See? It'd be crazy if the whole body started working against the part that got injured, but the whole body comes together to help the injured part. And if you have to be defrauded to make things right, grow up and be defrauded. Keep peace. Make for love. Don't be hateful. Amen. So, watch this now. How many like it? Back to 1 Corinthians 6. 
Boy, I'm teaching tonight. Glory to God. Look at this, verse 8. Nay, you do wrong. And by trying to be so right about everything, now instead of you being defrauded, you defraud your brother. Forgive it. You can be over-righteous and destroy yourself, of which I've been guilty of uh, once or twice. Or maybe half a dozen, once or, once or twice. I, I have been, I have thought I'm too righteous and, and I, it didn't turn out good. There is a time when one man rules over another to his own hurt. So you can be over-righteous and destroy yourself. Right? Amen. That's, at least that's what Solomon said. Uh, again, now, to be right, you have to defraud all your brothers and sisters. Not a good move. Suffer being wrong. Keep the relationship. And as Christ forgave you when you were wrong, so also forgive one another. That's what he said. Now look at it, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous... Oh no, here comes one of those lists. These are all the people we've got to kick out of the church. Every one of these have to leave the church. Anatha, Mia, Maranatha, you are excommunicated. No, no, not quite. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That must have been really going on in his time. I don't know. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's the list of everyone's got to be kicked out of church. Mm, no. And such were some of you. This is the Jesus that healed you of all this stuff. You used to carry that disease. You used to have that death working in you, and God saved you and delivered you from it. Thank God for the list. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. Amen. But ye are sanctified. Amen. By that list that shows us how God sets us apart, holy, how God does that which is good and gives us the medicine of eternal life, and how God justifies us from all of the sins that we all used to walk in. Such were some of you. But you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And now, uh-oh, uh-oh, get ready. You better put your grace helmet on. You, you better put your grace belt on. Because here comes a big old grace statement. All things are lawful unto me. Now I can do everything. But should I? No. All things are lawful unto me. That means if I step back into any one of these, God will immediately forgive me. Yeah, you heard me say it. I'm glad it's recorded. Play it back. Play it back. Play it back. See, we got him. We got him. We got him. I know. Me, you, and Jesus got me. Amen. All things are lawful for, unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any of these. I will not let one of these deaths, one of these transgressions, one of these sins rule my being. No, sir. I will not be brought under the power of anything. 
Now, you may step into any one of these things, but you're not going to stay there. Remember, you have to be entangled and then stay there so long that you're now overcome. If you stay there entangled in the hose too long, it's obvious you're going to fall down in the front yard. But when I get entangled in uh, uh, the garden hose, the, the, the yard hose, the hose pipe, that's how we say it in South Gastonia, God bless you. And it's all around my feet. Diane will tell you, it's bad. I might trip and fall, but I won't stay there because that thing, like, like, what is those big snakes that coil around you? What are those things called? What, what? A python? Is that it? Like a big old river python. The, the garden hose will come off the spool in the front yard and suddenly it'll start choking you and it'll get your arms. But I get out of the entanglement so it doesn't overcome me. I will not be brought under the power of any. You should be smiling out there because the grace of God loves you. See? He said, now all things are lawful. I, I, I may have a short moment or a bad day and I may fall back into an old sin. I may get tempted back into something. Don't live there. You might get entangled for a moment. Get the garden hose off your feet and roll it back up and that way the next time you walk out you won't trip over it. But if you leave it out there it's highly likely or especially for me that I'll trip again. Come on man. Go to uh, 2 Peter and let me show you the difference between being entangled and overcome. I hope you like this type of preaching. Second Peter 2, 20. This is not what Moses says. This is what Jesus taught his apostles, his disciples, his follower. This is what the Lord says. So again, if you go down, for if, condition, if, for if, 2 Peter 2.20, after, after, for if, after, for if, after, I feel like I'm reading a legal document, after they have escaped, and they use the word pollutions here, and it's really sins and transgressions in the Greek, of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein. Well, you can get a detangler from the Holy Ghost. Women use it on their hair all the time. They sell it to them. It's called a detangler. If they're going, eh, I'll take it, it's pulling my hair. Well, you can get a detangler to spray on your comb. Or to Some of you have to use a pick. For God's sake, it's like going into a mine. Good Lord, their hair is so thick. You have to use a pick, a hair pick. Thank God. I, I can, I've glued two toothpicks together and I can take care of mine. But anyway, uh, <laughs> they are again entangled therein. And if you stay there long enough, you'll get overcome by it and you'll be brought back under the power of the sin that Jesus delivered you from. But I won't be brought back under the power of any of it. We're gonna, we got free and now we're going to labor to stay free. So you all might have a moment. There's a big difference from getting detangled than staying so entangled. You're overcome by that sin. And then you're brought back under the power of that sin. I live under the power of the Holy Ghost. 
and I, I apply detangler all the time because I'm <laughs> I I get I I buy it by the case detangle detangle Kevin detangle Kevin detangle detangle and especially when I wake up in the morning and I've got Albert Einstein hair when my my hair is all poofed up on one side because the way this big this big uh, jar God that God gave me this big nugget been laying on my huge pillow that I have bus hair and I have to detangle it and not like Bobby I don't have a little pea head I'm not all pretty like you are I, I got this big nugget that I got to drag around like an orange on a toothpick praise God they asked me to come to the shield museum one time because they were going to have a, a, a planet observation and they wanted me to stand under the dome and, and reflect a planetoid picture with my head. I said, I'm so offended. I'm not going to do it. But nevertheless, I trans. I mean, I, I, oh, I transgress. No, I mean, I digress. So if they are again entangled and overcome, well, the latter end is worse with them from the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they've known it to turn from the holy commandment that was delivered unto them. And now you're living one of the things that Jesus says he cures and heals you of. That's not presenting Christ. You don't go to uh, a doctor with cancer and then go out and tell everybody, well, I went and saw Dr. So-and-so and he practices on cancer. And now I've got cancer now more than I've ever had it. I'd say, who's the name of that doctor? Because I ain't going to him. Because you don't go there to get sick. You go there to get well. That's why it pleases God from the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, if you're a believer, you need salvation because that means you're admitting, I don't have everything worked out just yet, right? I'm still working on things. God's still working in me and I'm still working in God. And He finds it a pleasure that I work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Because I know now God is working with me. And that under the strength of love, not works, He saves me and redeems me. That's why you're not defined by how many times you fall. You're defined by how many times you get up. And you only need to, with God, get up one more time. Because your latest fall, He doesn't remember all the previous falls against you. He's not calculating and tallying up all your previous falls. You do that, not God. As far as God is concerned, this is the one failure you've had, and he, of course, wants to pick you back up. He's not telling, well, you remember what you did in 73? <laughs> well, some of you, it was 83. Some of you, it was 93. Some of you, it was 2003. Some of you, it was 2013. Well, he doesn't tally up like that. Amen. There's some people worried about what they did on the tricycle when they ran over their sister's toes intentionally. God doesn't remember that against you. How about letting yourself off the hook and let the mind of Christ come in and set you free? Can we say amen? I, I'm glad, Bobby, that I don't remember your sins and iniquities against you. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that I love you. Will you do it for me? Will you do the same for me? I used to be so afraid that somebody was going to catch me doing something I shouldn't do. And I told one brother one day, I said, well, if you ever do, you get to do for me what I do for you all the time. 
cover you and forgive you. How's that? Somebody say amen. Now look at this. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, uh, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. All of us came out of one of these packs. Now, unless you're someone who's been saved from your, from your childhood up, and that's a great testimony if you've never tasted the poison of sin. The sooner God can get it out of you, the better. That's why we need faithful, godly, Holy Ghost people teaching Sunday school classes so our children can say, I met Jesus in Sunday school class when I was five or four or three. All I ever remember is the love of God. Praise God! You don't want my testimony, for God's sake. And he goes on to say, But you, such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified by that which is holy, just, and good, because by faith we establish the list that God delivers his people from in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Yeah, all things are lawful for me. I'm not going to hell on every turn of the hand. I'm not condemned every time I turn around. God's love happens to be a little bit stronger than that. And it's a small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. I don't even judge myself no more. If I could get myself saved, I wouldn't need Jesus. Sometimes I don't even understand me. Amen. The rest of you could jump in right there. You were looking for an end, that's where you jump in. If you were going to uh, gang tackle me, that's, that's the place. I just gave you a shot at it, and you didn't jump in. God help. Brother Jacob, God loves us. All things are not expedient. That's not a straight line to God. That's not the best way to go about things. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats but God shall destroy them both. One man honors the day by not eating, and the other man gives thanks before he eats. Both men are honoring God, but you've got to be fully persuaded in your own mind. The man who's not eating is not better than the man who just played his blessing over his food. They're both honoring God, but you've got to be fully persuaded in your own mind. Maybe you do need to fast 40 days and 40 nights. You fleshly Christian, maybe he's got his flesh under his feet and he's about to have a stake in the name of Jesus. I'd be in that category. Lord, we want to give thanks. Uh, as the carnivores that we are, we receive this stake in the name of Jesus. We bless it. We cast out the cholesterol and the grease. And Lord, we, uh, we ask that you sanctify our bodies with this and then our bodies to thy kingdom and thy glory. Sounds like I've prayed that before. Anyway. And then he goes into the sin of fornication, which is against your own body. Now look at it. In verse 14, And the Lord God both raised, and God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. He's raising us up by his own power because his power is to love us. And therefore he gave us the Holy Spirit the onboard, born-again experience of His nature that you should feel leading you and guiding you every moment of your life. And then He gave you the promise of His power to keep under your body 
and deal with the lust of the flesh that lust against the spirit and then the spirit will overcome the lust of the flesh that you are not subject to the appetites of flesh. Now if you would, go to Galatians 5. Galatians. <laughs> oh my. It wouldn't be the first time, Sister Clara, that somebody came up and wanted me to teach about Moses and the law. To add the law into my message. And I'm saying, no thanks. No thanks. I'm, I'm not a teacher of Moses. I'll look at Moses to understand the teaching and the admonitions to establish by faith the list of what God delivers us from. But I don't go to the doctor to get sick. I went to my doctor to get well. And his list is a long list. He can heal of all these infirmities and all these diseases and all these sicknesses and all these sins and all these iniquities and all these transgressions. I challenge you to raise your hand right where you are out there in TV land, whether you're driving along in a car and raise your hand and say, Jesus has got me. He's got me. He's covered me, praise God. Now look at this. Galatians. The church down there at Galatia. Verse 17, chapter 5, 17. I hope you're having fun tonight. We know that the law is good if a man uses it as a list of what Jesus delivers and heals, sets free, and justifies you from. He can set you apart from your sin. That that is not how you show the love of God by living in the death sin. But he can heal you of it. We look at the list. When I go to the doctor, I always read in the little manifesto, in the little, the little closed uh, locking thing. It'll have, doctor, I can do it all. And then it's this long list of everything that he heals you from. And I'll have you know it's not snake oil. It'll really set you free. Praise God. So look at this, Galatians 5, 17. For the flesh lusts against the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So God saw you needed a comforter, and he gave you one. He saw on the side of sinners they had power, but he saw on the side of the righteous that they seemed to have no comforter. So God recognized that and said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Since sinners seems to have power, I'm going to give them power. I'm going to give them comfort. So again, in Ecclesiastes, the preacher said, back in the days of Solomon, and I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed by oppressors. And they had no comforter, and on the side of their oppressors, but on the side of their oppressors there was power, but those that were oppressed had no comforter. So God sent a comforter to us after we got born again, so we wouldn't feel like orphans walking around here with no power and no authority over the lust of our flesh. So he gave us the Holy Ghost and fire by promise. Amen. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Kevin. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, that's thus saith the preacher, chapter 4, verse 1. 
God made a way for you and I. So now that we have the power, but if you be led of the Holy Spirit, if you're following the Spirit, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the sinfulness of flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of, in the likeness of flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, which means we've been delivered from death and we're married to a new one named Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, if you're walking in the flesh, here comes one of Paul's list. It's another list. And this is what Jesus heals us from, delivers us from, and sets us free from, and such were all of you. Not just me. All the world was guilty. There's none righteous, no, not one, that hasn't sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now the result of that should be, is you should shut your mouth and understand your guilt so you can be delivered and set free. That every mouth may be stopped. All the people, well, I wasn't in the garden. Well, I didn't have a chance. Uh, I wouldn't have partaken of the tree. Oh, shut up. Yes, you would. It was inevitable. Please. Uh, even the best, I, I, I was never there. I didn't get my chance. Well, he gave you your chance, and you did come short. That every mouth may be stopped, and all the world become guilty before God. I know your snow is white as ever. I know you're as clean as ever. But I went around the back of the barn, and I saw yellow snow, which means you need a washing. All right, look at it now. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery! With a capital A. Ouch! I capitalized that adultery. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Everything else is in lowercase, but adultery with a capital A. The scarlet letter A. Fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness. Seventeen works of the flesh, by the way. It's interesting that he uses a teenage number to identify these works of the flesh. Most of us get into a lot of sin when we're teenagers. Okay, look at it. Uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, and here it is, emulation. Probably one of the most misapplied, misunderstood sins of the church is when you go sit underneath somebody and you're only there long enough to prove that you're better than the person you're learning from. I'm the same as you are. I'm not trying to outdo anybody. I'm just trying to live as Kevin. And boy, that's a job. That's a job and a half. Here's my advice. I'll be me and you be you. Let's don't try to outdo one another. Lose the competitiveness and the egotistical attitude of the Gentiles where you're all the time trying to prove how superior you are and what a chieftain you are amongst us lowly serfs, us common people. Trust me. Keep your feet on the ground, things will go better. Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders. Everybody say envying. 
It's a corruption down to the bones. It'll corrupt the marrow of your bone. It's, uh, it's the Old Testament recognition of cancer, envy in the, as the rottenness of the bones. When cancer gets into your bone marrow, they generally say it's gone too far because that's what regenerates your new blood cells. It's, it happens inside your bones. Envy, envy, oh, terrible. Murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they that do in a willing, continuing basis, you got to marry this to Hebrews chapter 6, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But I'm not willingly transgressing God continuously in any of these things. Because if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of Jesus Christ, there remains no other sacrifice for our sin. You can't willfully and literally apply your life to this and think you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. This is a list to show you what he heals you from, not, that, not what you can live by, but the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit looks like Clara Parker, talks like Clara Parker, lives like Clara Parker, and she is a person of the Spirit who lives in love. She lives in joy. She lives in peace. She lives in long, long suffering. How many knows we've got to suffer along with people? Sometimes you might have went one mile and you say, that's it. I'm not going another inch with them. And Jesus comes along and says, I'll go ahead and get started on the second mile. Because how many knows he'll go the second mile with you? Praise God. Now, there's some people that I've met in my life, I think they have used up all my forgiveness tank. I'm pretty sure I'm running on E. Every time I turn around, I'm forgiving them. 70 times 7. Boy, you're a challenge. Uh, I'm trying to do the best I can. But God can refill your gas tank with love and grace and forgiveness. If you're willing to give grace, you'll get grace. Amen. I know I find some of this stuff hilarious. Long-suffering. Here's a fruit of the Spirit gentleness and I'm glad to know that people find me as one of the most gentle people that you'll ever be around that I'm gentle my, my wife see her mouth just fell open I'm one of the most gentle kind people that you'll ever bump into in life gentleness is a trait it's an earmark of who <laughs> God forgive me for lying uh, anyway watch this gentleness goodness faith meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified their flesh because they're not willing to live in any of those other 17 sins. Crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit of God. Let us not be desirous of vain glory provoking one another, envying one another. My goodness, man. And what comes after that, Brother Curtis, is restoring our brother. If you find a man, he don't even have to be going to church. He said if you find a man, he might not even be born again. Go to restoring him anyway. Show him the love of God. Make a difference in his life. We think that's what we do for brothers. That's what we do for everybody. Now turn with me to Revelation 21. We got another list, and this time it comes 
from the beloved disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. Well, we can all say that. John was just willing to say it. It doesn't mean he loved John more than others. He just had the courage and the faith to say that I'm the disciple that he loved. I wish you'd raise your hand and say, I'm the disciple that he loves. He loves me too. I'm the beloved disciple. I'm the beloved John. So it says in Revelation 21. Hmm. Verse 5. Now again, you can read the whole chapter. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. There's a new Jerusalem. That's where we've been living ever since Jesus came and died on the cross. And we're here occupying until he comes. We're his boots on the ground. We're doing his will. In verse 5, 21-5. And he that sat upon the throne said that'd be King Jesus. <laughs> Amen. I thought he's at the right hand of the Father. Well, he's in both places. Thank you very much. Behold, I make all things new. Old things are passed away. And if any man be in Christ, he gets to be a new creature. That was added by me. Uh, And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I finished it. I accomplished it. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Just like he did for St. Fotini in AJ's sermon. That's what he did for the woman at the well. And she became a daughter of light. He that overcometh. That's the tenth overcoming promise. You can read all the nine ones. Get your concordance out. And look up the word overcome. There are nine overcoming promises challenges to the church but he that overcometh shall inherit not some things but all things that's what I'm going for sister Williams I'm going for the all things reward and I will be his God and he shall be my son but if you don't overcome if you stay entangled and you don't ever get free from stuff this is where you can say yikes yikes (laughs) But if you were afraid and went and buried your talent in the earth and you gave Jesus back just what he gave you with no interest, well, you wicked man, you wicked person, you never witnessed, you never were a light, you were fearful of everyone else, knowing that the fear of man brings a snare. Now, I don't want to displease people. I don't. But I want to have a, a conscience void of offense before God, and then I do love my fellow man. I'm not trying to be offensive just in the name of being offensive. That's not my heart. I don't want to be like that. I, I, I like to be liked too. <laughs> it's really okay. I love, loving me is okay. I need it too. I like it. But the fearful, if you are afraid to ever use your salvation and you went and dug it and buried it in the earth of your body, in your heart, and you never put it to use. You never showed people the love of God. If you were ashamed of Him or His words, and you never confessed what He did for you, you never overcame by the word of your testimony. You never overcame by saying what you were, where you were, and how you were, and when you were, when Jesus changed your life. You'll never overcome. But we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. And we love not our old life, 
the dead life, the dying life, the man that I buried in the watery grave. I don't live for him. I buried him. I live the resurrected life, Jesus Christ. Revelation 12.10 for those of you who want to know. But anyway, here's what it says. But the fearful, just too afraid, oh God, oh, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? Oh my goodness. And unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. That, he put that one in there for Curtis Kelly James Wilson. There's one thing I know my brother don't like. He don't like liars. Don't lie to him. Even if you're wrong, he'll be better to you if you just admit and say you did it. Because he knows if you're not telling the truth, he knows you're lying. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. And that is the second death. But it doesn't have to be. You can be thrown into the strange fires of God and that can purify you and refine you as a son of Levi. You can let that fire have its perfect work that you don't suffer the second death and you can come up out of the fire knowing that your chastisement is a sign of love from God because he refines us as silver and gold and precious stones are refined. You can even come out of that fire. You don't have to end up there and stay there, but you can learn your lesson and come up and out. Amen. Amen, Pastor Kevin. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Now go to Titus chapter 1. This abominable. This abominable. And remember, there is a greater responsibility if you call yourself a brother. If you call yourself a follower, a brother, a disciple. And no, I don't preach about sin. I preach about the solution that delivers you from sin. And Sunday morning, we're going to talk about the origination of sin, which is a man's heart. Titus chapter 1. Right before the book of Philemon. No, I'm sorry, Philemon. <laughs> Titus 1.16. Go back to 15. Paul talking about the Cretans, that they're always liars and slow bellies, and, and quotes Epicurus in this chapter. And in verse 15, Titus 1.15, <laughs> Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Now my mind is renewed and my conscience is clear through the love of God because the end of the commandment is a pure conscience and a faith that's unfeigned. They profess that they know God and saying it's one thing but living it's quite another. They profess that they know God but in works, how they live and how they do, they fall under the heading of those lists. They deny Him. Being abominable, evil, worthless and disobedient unto every good work reprobate we read in Romans 1 that which may be known of God has been revealed to them and so that they are without, without excuse and therefore God turns them over to a reprobate mind well now they think they can be that way and still accepted by God you my friend are deceived 
you're living a lie. You take pleasure in disobeying God. I do not. I don't want to fail God in any way, shape, or form, even though sometimes I'm nothing but a failure, even though sometimes I can't get it right. God still loves me. And that is the power of ministry. So, how do we use the law lawfully? We use the law as a list to show sinners what our Jesus, the great physician, can heal, deliver, set free from. He can justify you from all things. He can set you apart from all things. And He gives you the good grace, the good medicine of the Holy Ghost. It is His prescription that you live and not die. Now you may have to take a daily dose, as I do, of the grace of God. And the more I live towards God, the more I find Him living towards me. I love you tonight. I bless you tonight. I hope this has been helpful. And I hope you've had joy along the way. I hope you've learned something about the New Testament. Because the, the synapsis, the firing and the wiring, it was on tonight, baby. It was happening. The mind was working. God bless you. I love you. This is Pastor Kello, and I'll see you again soon. Amen and amen.